You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Boys and girls, ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Stadium and Girls. Uncle Silk. This your boy, the All American. And Dan. Dapper Dan, the All American. This your Uncle Silk. we hanging out, man. Stadium and Gale, fresh off of victory against the mm-hmm. Vanderbilt Commodores, man. How y'all boys feeling? What's the vibes like? It's Thanksgiving week as well. Yeah, man. Coming off a good win. It wasn't the prettiest win, but. I think we still got some things accomplished that we want to get accomplished and, uh, you know, put some points on the board and, and came out with a victory. It's Thanksgiving week. What you got, Dan? Yeah, you know, it wasn't pretty. Uh, there was definitely some ugliness uh, at the beginning of the game. Uh, it, it wasn't as bad statistically, um, especially if you look at some of like the advanced statistics that people follow. We're not going to talk much about those here. I'll, I'll bring some up later, but it wasn't that bad. I still think the same issues that we've had at the beginning of the year, though, are still there on defense, right? We've talked yeah. about it a lot. We've talked about not being in place, not right to call show, in, like, not knowing where down. to be. Slow down. Y'all jumping right into the show. How y'all doing? Y'all have a good weekend? Oh, very good. Dan <laughs> <laughs> got some things to get off his chest, bro. Dan ready to pod, man. You tripping. I'm ready to pod. I'm ready to pod. You ready to pod. What kind of y'all y'all frying the turkey this week? Like, what's the salutations? What y'all doing for Thanksgiving, man? I want to do a check in with y'all boys. Uh, y'all good? What y'all doing Turkey Day? Yeah, well, I know, I know they say you know try to chill on the traveling and whatnot, but man, we are going to to my parents to my parents' house and um, you know my dad doing all the cooking and whatnot over there. So um, it's definitely gonna be a little bit different this year with vibes and whatnot. But um, I'm excited to see my parents. So no. Well, Dan, what you got going on? You coming down to South Florida, right? Yeah, I'm going to be down in South Florida for a few days to see and spend some time with my family. Uh, so that will be that will be good. Uh, I had a good weekend too. You and I got to hang out a little bit on Saturday. Um, we got to record facts only, right? Uh, the recruiting podcast, and then I got to watch you, uh, and then uh, then headed back. But it was a good few hours out in Orlando with you as well. I'm dominating the cornhole, man. You should have seen me, Ahmad. I was out there dominating, talking big things. I, I, I heard them boys were scared of you, man. They were ducking me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, heard, I seen them boys on camera, and I want to play. They were acting like Florida State, bucking the fade. They was pulling the Mike Novell for show, for show. Man. Yeah. Okay, cool. I seen it. Yeah. But other than that, man, I don't have any crazy plans. I'm just going to the mom. Ahmad, so. Silk was down. Go ahead. Uh-huh. I was just going to say, Silk was down, I think, 10 to nothing. And he ended up coming back and winning. Yeah. He said, he said Dan, do you think I can come back and do it? And I said, no. And then all of a sudden, it's 10 to 2 and 10 to 3, and 10 to 8, <laughs> and then 10 9, then like 12, 10. I'm like, wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got, got, shots. got hot. Man. Well, yeah, shout out to the past weekend. It was fun. Shout out to Connor from Rivals.com coming through, uh, kicking it with the Stadium Miguel crew for our regular uh, monthly facts-only uh, recruiting show. That was dope. If you haven't checked it out, check that out. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Everybody, safe travels. Um, enjoy the turkey. Enjoy family. Quarantine as best you can and, and stay safe, man. But 
Uh, happy Turkey Day. Absolutely. And then we'll get into the game business. Uh, so a couple big things that we've got going on is Stadium and Gale will be in Atlanta for the SEC Woo. championship. We are working and finalizing a Friday event in Buckhead. I will tell you when it's 100% signed on the dotted line. But what is signed on the dotted line is Saturday morning at the Trap Music Museum in Atlanta. We're going to be hanging out, doing a live show and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, shout, so out, to my man. shout out to my man, Reem, who's a Gator fan, listens to the show. Um, he offered, off, offered us this whole deal as far as the Trap Museum, man. So we're going to hang out from 8 to 11, do some live streaming. I'm still trying to find out the details if we can have people buy tickets to come check us out in person inside there. They don't open to noon, so they're doing us something, something special for us, 8 to 11, letting us come in and do our pregame show for the SEC Championship game, man. And that's going to be fun, man, for me. I'm excited. I want to go to Trap Museum. Yep. I'm a fan of Trap Music and, and T.I. and every, the whole culture. Yep. So uh, just a, good, a dope blend of culture in Atlanta, man. It's going to be fun. Absolutely. It's going to be icy, I think, as the kids say. Uh, let's see what else. Um, we're gonna plan so icy. Um, we're gonna plan some things um, between that and the game time, and then we'll figure out some other things. So all of that stuff oh, is we're gonna do a tailgate for sure. We're gonna do a yeah. tailgate then. Yeah, we'll talk about we're gonna it. do a tailgate. I just we just need to let people know where to go and all of that. We got to figure out game time situation. We got to figure out a few things. So bear with us for a little bit over the next week or so. Some details will be coming out and be finalized. Let's see. Um, National Signing Day, early National Signing Day party at the Kush House. Is that an, an open invite? Open invite, man. Um, well, I mean, we're going to control the numbers. You know, we, we, right. we, we, we've been not everybody. Not, not absolutely everybody. It's open invite to the whole network. Any writers that want to pull up, I don't care if you're on 247, I don't care if you're on Rivals. Anybody that needs a hub that may not be going anywhere will we, we, we'll be that hub for uh, early signing day. But, yeah, we're getting together. Um, also – uh, close the kids. We got a close the kid uh, drive that we're doing December fifth at the Kush House. Any clothes that you guys have, any old shoes, new shoes. If you can't pull up to the Kush House December fifth, you can send. Uh, we got uh, a way to donate on BigThreeRollUp.com. You could per pretty much purchase a donation on the website and donate that way. Um, just an easy way for us to track our account and when it's time to pay taxes and whatnot. But, yeah, we're taking on donations, man. Any old clothes that you have in your closet, if your kids have old clothes, old shoes, let's help some families in need. Usually they do this before uh, the, the school year, but, of course, everything got canceled as far as starting school and everything got pushed back. So they're doing it a little later in the year. Very good, very good, which is a good time to remind um, that Steve Miguel is powered by our friends over the Big Three Roll-Up. Uh, so uh, any gear – um for any of the other podcasts that are on our show or on our uh, network is available there uh so we're very grateful for the big three roll-up and all that they do for stadium and gale you can also visit stadiumandgale.com uh you can look at stadiumandgale.com shop as well for some more merchandise and then check out our flagship forum we've got some great writers that are putting out great content Absolutely. every day also man i know i don't know if anybody's seen those burger shirts but we got some new damn mullen bur burger shirts uh i should probably said mullen but it'd be all right we got some damn some burger dan shirts man on the website of the fire man um, i'm gonna wear one of those this saturday for sure Very good. Get some visuals of that you know i got an idea you know we got a uh, you got bob's burgers we got we got to make a dance burger shirt man oh already already did it man it's already out there <laughs> 
Okay. Okay. Well you, well, you know you like to make stuff in it without asking us, so. <laughs> Um, I, I figured you already, you probably do got the shirt already in your, yeah, in your yeah. uh, closet, Dan. It's in the DMs. <laughs> uh, <so> anyway, <laughs> it all goes down in the DMs a lot. All right, boys, let's get to the start of the show. As always, sponsored by our friends over at the Thomas Firm, uh, which is going to help you handle insurance claims to your property, um, property damage to your home or business. So give them a call, 813-221-2525. This is a great time to get uh, all of those things situated. Make sure you have their number saved. Uh, we are out of hurricane season now, uh, but uh, just make sure you have their phone number uh, and everything else. That doesn't mean that there still won't be leaks happening or other issues, uh, property damage. So give them a call, 813-221-2525. And I think, we're, I think we're getting a sinkhole season time. I don't remember when that is. So let's just assume it's sinkhole season. That's a season for sinkholes? I think so. I think it has to do with, I, I don't know, maybe not. It's sinkhole season, though. Yeah, I ain't, I ain't never heard about that one. I think that's a new you one. You also never heard I'm, about that shirt, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I'll, answer, I'll, I'll open your DMs, Dan. I'm sorry. I know. Not <laughs> the sinkhole season, man. I didn't know that was a thing, man. Yeah, no, that's weird. I'm going to take that word for it, though, so. I'll be on the lookout when I'm driving. You feel me? Thank you. Um. So big win over Vanderbilt. Let's, let me get back into my bag a little bit, boys. I'm sorry I interrupted you earlier. Man. I was talking about Dan beating his chest earlier, too. Let's hear it, Dan. We ready. Dan jumped in the middle of the show in the intro. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't remember that we, we hang out for a little bit. I had some things to get off my chest. So 38-17, the Gators look good on offense. Uh, Kyle Trask ends his fork. Uh, touchdown streak, uh, only gets three. Emory Jones gets the fourth uh, with a pass to uh, to Kamori Gamble, uh, which was a great touchdown. But on defense, Gators give up 17 points, um, including seven on the opening drive, uh, 10 after that. But but the, the same things keep happening that we saw at the beginning of the season, right? Not getting play calls in, not being in position, uh, not playing aggressive, um, Weird gap control, weird angles to the safeties. Um, what do you think we do from here? Play the young boys. I mean, you got to this point. You're in a, you you're you're past the halfway point in the season. You got veterans. Uh, I don't even know if it's just the the if we can blame the veteran players. I mean, uh, I think some of the veteran players are getting the calls late. I mean, then we're subbing out and players are not ready, and why teams are going tempo. Uh, a lot of this is coaching as well. I, I don't want to just blame the, the Jimmies and Joe. Right. Uh, a lot of this is coaching as well. Right. Um, yeah. So, so Dan, when you got guys out there that's, that's not getting a play call in, man, you got to have that guy that's going to say, hey, you know, um, you know, if, if we can't get it, we're going to, it's going to be our universal call. All right. Even, you know, even, even Ty Griffin need to, 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 to have that conversation. I mean, if you guys don't get the call in, at what point do we say, hey, all right, don't worry about it. Let's just play cover two. That's what so, we used to, or, or or just have a universal call just in case because team what teams are doing is trying to catch us um, in our substitutions and whatnot. All right, so if, if we're not getting a call in, just just go play something, just play Manila right quick, just to to be on the same page because we're not on the same page right now. Ahmad, I want to ask you uh, for those that don't know, how does a play call get called in and when do they? So, wait all right, so so what what's happening with us usually? What happens um, in between each play? I know um, some of the teams that I've been on. If the coach is on the sideline, where well, there is a coach on the sideline who who's uh, signaling in the calls, um, sometimes it's different. You have just the, the the back end part of it. 
and that'd be like the DB coach or something. He will wear a different color shirt so he can stand out from everybody else. Does that make sense? Yep. So, and, and he will walk down a little bit just to give you the back end calls because it's, it, because it, it, it does us no good to, to know the front part of it, of the call. We only need the back end anyway. All right. So what, what's happening is um, in between, in between the plays we're substituting and we're not um, getting on the, on the field fast enough off the, off the field fast enough and teams aren't substituting. All right. So teams are leaving their pers- personnel on the same, on the field um, and catching us in our substitutions. And then, and then we got a relator call in. So then it's like putting us behind when the guys are already out there on the other team. So we, we I mean, we, we're stuck in the middle. So when you say a universal play call, does that depend on the number of receivers that are out there? Or is that just, no, nah, I don't even, it don't even, it, I, Dan, we don't care what you're in. We're going to be in cover too. Cause we're going to be on the same page. Does that okay. make sense? And it's something that you, 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 you do like during the week. So like, Hey, if we ever get stuck, we're going, we're going to go cover two. We're going to go cover three. I don't care what kind of what, what formation you in, how many receivers you in, just as long as we get on the same page. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, whatever's happening there is they don't have that, right? Um, they're not right. getting the play call in, uh, and they don't have a base because you see a number of players both on the sideline and on the field with their hands up in frustration, and then it looks like they're looking over to the field, and then teams getting set, and then they're a hundred percent. Crazy is like 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 at this point in the season. Like teams, like the monster teams are trying to catch us doing that. Like we look goofy. Um, we're the only team in the country uh, looking yeah. goofy. Uh, and then that comes like this. That's just coaching. Like I don't know. If we, we need to have a base coverage or what? But if you're trying to sub while a team going tempo, like this is this not high school football. Right. And that's what and that's what teams are doing. They're, they're going tempo because they know we sub. Right. Like I'm, like they do. And I'm gonna tell you when they're doing it. They're doing it out the second down, Dan. Because guess what? We got to get all these DBs and stuff on the field for third down. So what's oh, okay. happening is they'll run a play and then hurry up and because they know we gotta we gotta change guys and guess what? It, it's third and three, third and four, they run a quick slam or something right off the ball, first down. But but he needs to play more dime. Like he he wants to have two linebackers on the field and they're not even playing well. So I think like he needs to switch up. Grantham is stuck in a lot of his old ways and don't want to switch up a lot of things he do. You gotta put more defensive backs on the field so when they go tempo and switch up, you're in okay shape. He just refuses to play dime, and it's looking real goofy, dog. Like, he's been in the SEC a long time. This league knows what he wants to do. He can either adapt and change his personnel, or he's going to have us looking crazy in Atlanta. But this is – I think this is my thing, Silk, is that his personnel are people that he's been with for three years. That's what I think is so confusing about this is you're not seeing your – your Torrance and and Johnson and some of these younger guys mess up. You're you're seeing the the, the Marcos, the 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 Steiners, the 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 um, uh, the Sean Davises mess up and not know what's going on. And it's like how after three years and you guys are in your you know third, fourth, fifth season, how are we messing up this badly? It's, yeah, that to me is all goes back to the coach. I don't like. It has to. You can, you can't blame players. But you can't. And, and but here's the thing, though. A lot of the times, too, we we still blame the coaches on guys getting caught on or like, well, hey, what's the, what's the threshold? All right. So, Dan, and maybe a, <laughs> listen, and maybe. A, going, yeah. No, wait, maybe a year or so. Right. These guys are going to the NFL. Right. So do we still have to tell you guys to come up and, and get close to the receiver and play down on the receiver when it's third and three or does Grantham have to tell us that shit? That's what I'm saying. So we we got fans that's like, man, Grantham, why Grantham got these guys playing 10 yards off? 
But damn, when the corner gonna gonna realize it's third and four anyway, and I'm not gonna put ten yards on. I'm, I'm telling you, I can tell you just from um I, those guys, they're not they're not told they're told not to come up and press. That's dumb. So so now we gotta have a conversation of do we not want to win or not? You're literally telling me not to I am we ain't saying press. I'm not telling you to come up and press. We don't need to be ten yards off the ball, bro. You know it's gonna be something quick. I mean, I understand Grantham calling the plays, but damn, what's the threshold, bro? And I'm not I'm not blaming anybody, but at, at, at one point, did we say, "Hey, they done they done converted three third downs and, and and ran slants on three third downs"? Let me just come up and and, and play a little bit more more tighter. One of the third downs, I got a report real real, real quick because they asked Kyrie a question. Um, mm-hmm. I think he was dancing around, not trying to embarrass Grantham. But I think the way he when when he got beat on that, it's easy to say DB got beat, but he had no inside help. And it, it, it was supposed to be a guy on the inside, right? Correct. But but I mean the way he handled that was him trying not to with the media was him trying not to throw Grantham under the bus. But what he said I thought was very evident of what we all are seeing. They're not getting the calls in. They're not ready. They don't know what the calls are. So of course they just out there playing street football. This is Sandlot at that point. Right. So this is what I was going to say is. I don't know. It's a chicken or the egg problem where I, I feel like you don't know the answer, right? Because you have players that are playing 10 yards off the ball and they're getting beat in slants or they're getting beat underneath on a four yard route, right? The problem is, is that's probably wrong. That's an awareness issue, right? But they still keep playing. And if they're not coached differently, if there's no punishment for doing something that's that wrong, either they've done a really poor job of developing their talent. They have, a big like football intelligence and IQ issue, which is a football and recruiting problem. Um, but also these guys also need to take I don't think any of those guys back there. I don't mean to cut you no, off. No, no, that, but that's what, that's what I'm saying is, is I don't want to just play players. Yeah, these guys, a lot of these kids got like NFL pedigree. They come from a lineage of a learning the football game. Right. And they all are looking lost. I think Marco know how every coverage work. I think Kyrie knows how every coverage work. But when the ball gets snapped and the players in the defense are getting caught and teams are going tempo, they look lost. And and no, and then that's what I'm saying is, and that was the kind of the finalized point is that I don't think that that's the issue. But if they're doing what they're told, even if it's wrong, they're still getting the opportunity to continue to play. That's why I don't think it's just a player issue, right? Like they do need to play up, but because they're not, they're still playing. Or even though they're not, they're still playing. Right. So there's no punishment for them doing what we right. think is wrong. And that's why I think that it's a, a coaching and a play calling issue, which to me is, is very baffling. Yeah, because once players are playing bad, it, like, it, like say they, they're not adjusting to third down, say they're missing tackles, what's the punishment to that? Right. Uh, yeah. now, I just want to play this clip by Kyrie, and I wanted to like kind of like uh, yeah. dissect what, what we all thought about it. But here we go. That's particularly slant routes. Are you guys able to come down and press that, or are you guys specifically having to stay back and play it on coverage against that? Which which particular player are you talking about? Well, for one, there was the 58-yard touchdown was beaten um, on a slant route, and then the one earlier in the game, it looked like uh, you and a player switched spots, which didn't give you the inside leverage on that slant on what looked to end up being a free play for the score. Yeah, right. Um... So that, that touchdown I gave up, um, well, I was looking over, the whole defense was looking over for the play. You know, they were going fast. Um, my linebacker called me over because um, the tight end lined up uh, out and the wide receiver lined up in. But we were too busy looking for the play, so we, didn't, we couldn't get lined up. And they already snapped, snapped the ball. So um, I had to, you know, I had to try my best to get the ball out, and I didn't. I was supposed to be inside leverage, but 
you know, I think mean, it's just something we have to go faster, you know, getting the call um, to get us lined up. But um, I think, I mean, you just got to play, just trust what, the, um, what the Coach Grantham is uh, telling us to do. And I think um, uh, we have to clean that up, if, especially, if, you know, where we want to go, you know, um, SC Championship, National Championship. I think it's something we really have to clean up because I think that's most of, the, most of the yards, like you said, came from, you know, those slants and those bang gates. That, that, that to me, that was a kid trying not to step on it and, and throw his coach under the bus, but it was very evident what went on there. Yeah, he, I mean, he, he tiptoed around it the, the way he's supposed to, so, um, you know, he, he said the right things. I think that's just something they got to just get cleaned up in the, in the meeting room, man. It's just, I mean, at the end of the day, how, how good do we want to be? Are we going to be continue to be crappy on third down, or are we going we gonna to bow up? Tell you what. Say, usually teams are, are, are good teams that are good on third down. I'm gonna tell you what I've been saying that a lot since I heard the Jeezy uh, Gucci battle. Cause Jeezy said I'm gonna tell you what a lot. So I'm gonna tell you what, man. Um, I hope Virginia Tech loves Todd Grantham a lot. That's all I'm gonna say. I hope they love him a lot, and I hope we can get a new DC next year. Um, I think that this the SEC got him figured out. I don't think he's gonna change a whole lot. I think he's stuck in the way he want to run his defense and do things. Um, when Tyrone Hopper got on the field, I was discouraged. Woo! standpoint of why hasn't this kid been getting reps i don't care how undersized he is because he could use another 15 pounds him and diabate but from a football standpoint just from a just being a dog standpoint he looked different than every linebacker they put out there man by far his speed was 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 10 times faster than everybody else i felt like he was getting to the ball he was going downhill and actually wanting contact and initiating contact I don't know if you guys caught where Chris Bogle said that uh, Todd Grantham's offense on a scale or a defense, pardon me, on a scale of one to ten and complexity was a ten. Yeah, that's what is what I'm hearing a lot. I mean, I'm not, it's not just the players. Some of the, some of the, like I said, some of these NFL guys that got kids on the team are saying that the defense is too complex for for uh, some of these college kids. We need to just fly around and get to the ball and just right. and dumb it down a little bit. Um, I don't know what the call is, but if, if they think it's, it's a little too complex, if Boga said it's too complex, and, and we're watching them look at the sidelines confused a lot, maybe it's too complex. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe that might be it. Uh, if it walk like a duck, then <laughs> like a duck, and shit, this is goddamn uh, duck. The last time I heard that quote about it got us into a little bit of trouble in Tennessee. So No, that said, do ducks pull trucks. They ain't got nothing to do with Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, what you're he, right. That's on me. That, I'll work on it. Yeah, that's, that's what he said. That's on me. I'll get that fixed. Um, I still but, don't know what that means to this day, but go ahead. Um, but outside of the defense, I mean, and we've harped on the defense. We talked about it all season. I, I don't know what we're going to do differently. Um, offense, how do you think they played on offense um, as a team? Uh, I thought they played well. I thought I think we could run the ball when we want to. Um, we got physical in the run game, was able to do some things. Um, Gene DeLance, another one. I, I'm scratching my head at. I don't know why he gets burned, tick. Um, that boy needs to be benched with a capital B. Um, if he ever sees the field again, I might press charges on Dan Mullen <laughs> <laughs> for putting Kyle Trask wow. in a risky situation. Right. That's, that's what, that's what I, I feel like he's doing, dog. He's trying to sabotage the season. You know what I'm saying? By doing that, I'm with you, so. Yeah, I, I just I don't see it, man. He, I don't think he should be on the field. Um, he had a lot of uh, false stars just blowing whiffing on, on blocks yeah. at this point, bro, he is who he is. He's the duck that we all know is not to be disrespectful or anything, but uh, you got to call a spade a spade at this point. Go to the yeah. young boys, 
Mix yep. that line of scrimmage up. These games, what we talked about last podcast, these are the games you can mix around and try to find some chemistry on the O-line. See if a young guy maybe could give you some better uh, mm-hmm. chemistry and, 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 and get some better push and not make the same mistakes as a veteran guy. But yeah, um, I do like what I've seen out of Emory Zones. I like what they mm-hmm. call from this game. I like um, in the fourth quarter when they need to put the game away with some run stuff. They brought him in to put the nail in the coffin, throw something to, to keep more gamble, easy toss for a touchdown. So I do like the play calls that he did for Emory, but I think Gene Delance is the biggest weak link, weak link on our offense, and he shouldn't be starting. Yeah, we, we definitely can move the ball. We uh we got some receivers that can definitely catch the ball, and Shorter is coming on. You know, he's getting better and better every week. Graham's getting better and better every week. Um, I, You know, I, I, I hate to say this, but, you know, with Pitts being out, that, that showed that we had other, other targets, right? Um, baby Hendo and all those guys that's, that's getting in and, and getting some playing time. I even seen Wells out there a couple times. Right. Uh, he didn't get a catch, but you know he was out there getting some reps and blocking and whatnot. So, um, you know, um, you know, just having pitch back is, is great because that's our you know our best player, one of the best players in college football. But you know, with him being out, these guys stepped up, especially at the tight end position, um, and, and, and start playing some football. I love Emory getting in the game and doing what he's doing. We running the ball um, when we want to run the ball, and we just got to continue to keep that balance. Um, you know, once we get one dimensional, it's, it's going. It's, it's easy for defenses to 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 uh, to tee off on us. So um, we keep the running game going and keep it balanced. Um, we're gonna be great in these ne- next few weeks, and that's that's what's gonna keep Kyle Trask on touchdowns. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm just now. I'm just I'm just so uh, impressed with the offense. Um, they're gonna do what they gotta do. They, we're gonna go get points. The defense, man. They they like it's one thing to be to get beat, you know, and it's one thing to look like a shit show. So, like, the unorganization, the incompetence, and not getting lined up before a snap, all of that, to me, for uh, a program, and I think Dan Mullen's a guy that runs his shit to a precision. I'm sorry for the language. But, I, like, I'm just a little annoyed at the way our defense looks sloppy, you know, like, from every aspect, from the strength conditioning to the way we do things for his food nutrition, the way Dan Mullen's precise with the way he want to run his program. To have a defense that looks disincompetent is, is nuts to me at this point in the season. Word up. Dan, you all right? Dan, like, you on like four calls. <laughs> you know, um, man, what do you think about the offense? Amai? I thought the run game was pretty pretty solid. Yeah, yeah we, we run the ball we want to. Yeah, we, we definitely run the ball we want to. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited about the play we get from the running back room. Um, 27 is, is a load to bring down. Six coming on, great. Um, Tony running the ball with, with a little bit of speed and whatnot, and he holding on to the football. That's gonna be the, that's gonna be the, the deciding factor, um, you know, down the stretch if we can run the football. You know, I, I know I keep harping on this right. and saying that, but that's what's gonna open the play action, and that's what's gonna open up the passes down the field, and that's what's gonna open up um, um, Pitts getting open with these uh, these tight er, with these linebackers guarding them. We do need more explosive plays in the run game. Um, I think we're steady in the run game. Our average is decent. But I do think we need some 25, some 30-yard bangers that we need to start getting off with, with the competition the competition that we're facing. Absolutely. Sorry, sorry, I had a phone call come through. So okay. um, you, you guys made some really good points that um, we do need some more explosive run plays. But I want to give a shout-out to Kamori Gamble and Keon Zipper, who stepped up in Kyle Pitts' um, stead. Uh, both of them have played spectacularly this season. Um, both of them have really, really improved, you know, Florida's, you know, just overall tight end room. I mean, we had a lot of questions about what happens after Kyle Pitts. 
and Kamori Gamble and Keon Zipper have both stepped up, and I'll give a shout-out to both of them. Um, I think it was Keon Zipper that said sometimes I'm gonna, it's going to be me that gets a lot of the passes, um, and sometimes it's going to be Kamori Gamble, and I'm just happy that, that one of us, and we might have to trade back and forth, but you know, the fact that they're showing a lot of unselfishness is, is really good. And um, Shout-out to the big boy, uh, Justin Shorter. Uh, as well, five catches for 100 yards or 94 yards. So I've been cooking up that. I told you I was on the amount of time for that shit gets going. You could just see yep. uh, the potential in it, um, how explosive he was, the type of plays they were dialing up for him. It was only a matter of time for the chemistry to start clicking between him and Kyle. And like the weapons we have with there, bro, we just got to figure out this defense, man. Uh, I think, yeah, I think we definitely, we definitely got to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. So um, let's get through um, a couple of quick, quick. – oh, go ahead. Real quick. What do you think about Dan Mullen's comments on um, the younger guys getting playing time? Some of the guys, uh, mm. the press asked, them, asked Dan Mullen about um, maybe the younger guys getting more tick, and then Dan Mullen mentioned something about watching the reps and practice this week. So what do you think about that? Do you think we see a change this week versus Kentucky? Um, we, I, I – I trust in Dan to watch it. Uh, we make we may get some changes. I mean, not too many changes because I mean, what 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 are we going to put the young guys in and start the game? I mean, I don't think he's going to do that. This, I mean, they, I, they, they, they've been getting clocked, so I mean, it ain't, it ain't too much. I mean, what else? They just start getting. I haven't seen Hopper all. Nah, ha, nah, I'm talking about the secondary. I'm sorry. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I like forty. As a matter of fact, I like forty too. We didn't we didn't discuss forty. Yeah. Pierre. Yeah, Pierre Pierre is moving and looking like got yeah. the instincts of a linebacker. He looks like a linebacker moving around out there. We, now, yeah, I don't know if y'all guys mentioned him earlier, but you know, forty and twenty eight really really showed some glimpses um, this past game. But I like forty. So this is this is my thing. So is I don't know if there's. I mean, we might see the younger guys, but it's also Kentucky. Kentucky's not the same Kentucky they've been the last few seasons. They're not very good. So, yeah, we might see some younger guys maybe earlier in the game, but would we have seen them regardless? Probably, right? So I don't know if this is a good game to know or to to judge, right? I mean, same with Tennessee. Tennessee's not very good. They just lost their fifth consecutive game by more than 10 points. And then LSU after that's not very good. So, you know, I don't really know. I mean, I hope so because we may need them against Alabama. Um, but what's really happening great. right now isn't isn't good. So I hope I hope they play them, and I hope they play them early. Um, I hope it, they they play them when the game's not out of hand. Um, and I hope they play them when it matters because that's you know truly who you see, who you have. Yeah, I just need as many game game time reps because the more those guys get on the field, the more they show opportunities that they, that they can actually play. So I don't if they playing UAB this week, I wouldn't care. Just put those boys on the field. They fly around and make plays. I mean, you're going to hear from the fan base. You're going to hear from the writers as far as, like, why are these guys not playing. So I just want to see them get opportunities to go on the field, get some reps, and maybe they, you know what I'm saying, sub- supplant some of these veteran guys before the, before the national, uh, not national championship, before the SEC championship. Yeah. yeah well, let's sure. get through it. Let's get through a couple of quick uh, what we call dandy facts on this show. Kyle Traffic, shout out to him. Uh, under pressure uh, in the game, eight for nine for 154 yards. No matter who you're playing, that's still pretty incredible. Uh, Florida has 13 people that have caught a pass this year, and all 13 are averaging more than 10 yards per catch, which I think is um, 
absolutely incredible. Uh, they had two 400-yard passing games over a three-game span. Uh, that's the first time they've done that since 2001. And the 6.05 yards per play the defense is giving up is more than any Gators team has done since this statistic has been tracked on Sports Reference website, uh, and that was in 2000. So um, defense, I mean, we've talked about 2007. We've talked about a few others uh, that struggled a bit, but but not quite as bad as this one. So hopefully they get it together. Still some games to be played, still some opportunities to get better. So, so shout out to those guys. Any other thoughts on the Vanderbilt game? Uh, no, I think that's it. I think uh, we covered the spread. I didn't, you know, um, we didn't look as clean as I wanted us to look. We came out a little sluggish on offense, um, but we got the business. But the defense is just what it is, man. Um, I, I'm, I'm at this point. I told you my wishes. So yeah, yeah, we didn't quite cover the spread. The spread finished at thirty and a half. Um, so Florida did just miss uh, covering the spread. Oh, we didn't cover. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, but that's, that's fine. A three touchdown win is, is still good in my book. Vanderbilt's always a weird game. Uh, so shout out to the Gators for pulling off a 21 point win. Um, we didn't shout them out at the beginning of that segment, but that segment was brought to us by our friends over at roof soldier. So this is a perfect time to do it. If you need a new roof, give our friends over at roof soldier a call. If you live anywhere in the state of Florida, 1-877-ROOFS-FL or RoofSoldier.com. Tell them Stadium and Gail sent you. They're going to take a bunch of money off of your roof. So again, if you need a commercial or residential roof replacement or a repair, give Roof Soldier a call at 1-877-ROOFS-FL. Which is, it roof, is it roof season? It is roof season. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> make sure it's, yeah. Make sure there's no sinkholes that are going to form before right. your house gets sucked up. Um, right. But if so, if you have issues with your insurance, and so <laughs> after you get your roof, soldier roof, reach out to the Thomas firm. Uh, but no, we're going to invite our friend Stuart Mandel onto the show to talk to us about Florida a little bit, and then the national recruiting, or pardon me, the national football landscape, which is brought to us by our friend Carlton Black with Envoy Mortgage, who's licensed in Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, and Virginia. He's going to offer all types of home loans, including conventional loans, FHA loans, VA loans, fixed rate loans, adjustable rate mortgages, jumbo loans, and and more. He can help you refinance at very, very low, historically low rates. And if you're a real estate agent in any of those states and you're looking to partner, give Carlton a call 404-769-5501 or cblack at envoymortgage.com. Let's talk to Stuart Mandel from The Athletic. Shout out to The Athletic. You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. And joining us for the first time on Stadium and Gale, Stuart Mandel, who is the editor-in-chief of the Athletics football coverage. You might have remembered him from Sports Illustrated and Fox Sports. Uh, he also co-hosts the Audible podcast with Bruce Feldman. Stuart, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Good. Good. Great. Good. It's great to have you on. I know that I've been reading you for, for a long, long time now, but Stuart wanted to talk to you about the Florida Gators. Obviously, the Gators are, you know, sitting right outside of the playoff picture currently with a, a date with Alabama on December 19th. Uh, what do you think Florida needs or what do you want to see out of Florida over the next few weeks? Um, and then do you think that they have a shot at Alabama? Um, I, I do think they have a shot at Alabama because they have 
one of, if not the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in the country in a, in a very lethal offense. I'm sure this is not going to come as a surprise. What I'd like to see is, is some defensive uh, improvements and cutting down on allowing so many uh, big plays because once they get to Atlanta, obviously you're facing a team that is capable of, of big play every, every time any of those guys gets the ball. And I know that Nick Saban has said you don't need to play good defense to win championships anymore. Um, and I agree with him to some extent. I just wouldn't want to get just count on winning a shootout or, or, or you know, being the first one to 60 or whatever right. against a team with uh, Mac Jones, Najee Harris, Devontae Smith and on down the line. Perfect. Perfect. So so what? What is it about Dan Mullen and and this team to to create such a prolific offense just a couple of years after? You've obviously been covering Dan Mullen for a long time, but what is it about him and his ability to develop uh, kind of an offensive scheme that works around his players? Um, I'm really impressed with. I feel like we're seeing things for him this year that they must have done some. And every team does this; they go and they study, you know, what other teams around the country are doing, because. While Kyle Trask was the starter for most of last season, he wasn't doing this. And and obviously he got better and as as often quarterbacks do under Dan Mullen, but the play calling has been exceptional. Uh the fact that they can, and this has been pointed out obviously by by various analysts, run the same exact play out of all these different looks, and defenses have had trouble uh keeping up with that. And then um Kyle Trask is about as good as I've ever seen of a quarterback selling fakes. And he, they burned so many, I mean, the Arkansas game in particular, right? So many times. I mean, Arkansas came into that game having played very sound defense all year. And they just, they caught them so many times. He caught them so many times um, flat-footed um, for defense, thought he was doing something completely different. So whether that's Mullen that coached that or Brian Johnson or both, you just um, – uh, really tip your hat because they've done just a, a phenomenal job this season. Stuart, uh, do you think that uh, Heisman comes down to the SEC championship game? Do you think Kyle Trask needs to win that game to win the Heisman? Um, probably. Yeah, I can't see him losing that game and still winning the Heisman, presuming that Justin Fields is still in contention going into that weekend, that Mac Jones himself might be in contention um, going into that game. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence, we haven't seen him in a month, but he will still be he'll be playing and he'll still be on everybody's mind. So it does seem like it's a race uh, the way the race is shaping up. It's a bunch of quarterbacks who could all be playing on the last weekend of the season for a shot to put their team in the playoff. And if that's the case, a lot of voters will decide that night reminds me of uh, two years ago when Tua was basically leading the whole season. And then he got hurt in the uh, SEC championship game. He didn't play well. He played his worst game of the season. He got hurt. And meanwhile, and, and that caused everybody to jump over to Kyler Murray, who won the Big 12 title game that year. It could be something like that. Who do you think uh, the 2020 the way the season has been set up with the pandemic and the way they're playing games, who do you think it benefited the most and who do you think it hurt the most? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I think that, uh, it, it, I mean, the, the second part's easier. I mean, it hurt the, the West Coast teams the worst. Uh, they just were put at a disadvantage all along. Uh, and I live out here and um, the restrictions that they were playing under. I mean, I look at Cal. I thought Cal 
Uh, I, I know that team well. I thought they had a chance to have a really special season. And then first the season gets postponed and delayed, and then their whole starting, uh, their whole defensive line has to go into quarantine, and they miss the first game and get crushed the second game. So it's been a lot of stuff like that out here. Uh, I think it benefited uh, teams that had good veteran leadership in place. I mean, look at the teams that are at the top of the rankings. They all have a Trevor Lawrence, an Ian Book, a Kyle Trask, a Mac Jones, um, and, and not just the quarterbacks, but the, the core of the team. When you think about all of the craziness of this season, and, and it could have lent itself to a year where who knows would be number one in the country right now, like the 20, 2007 season. And instead, it's the pretty much the teams we expected to be there at the end. And I think that speaks to their ability to, to navigate a situation like this. Who's going to be the hot coach this year? I think uh, – I don't know what happens at Penn State or what happens at Michigan, but I think both of those co- programs could be in the market for a coach. Uh, who's the hot coach going into this offseason? I think that um, it kind of depends on what part of the country. I think that uh, in the in terms of the SEC, if, if we have South Carolina already open, maybe Tennessee comes open. Hugh Freeze is going to be the guy they're all going to want to go after. I don't think there's any question about that. And then if it's Michigan uh, or if it's another program in that part of the country, I mean, Matt Campbell has Iowa State in first place in the Big 12. They haven't won a conference championship since 1912. This would seem, whether they finish it off or not, I don't think his stock's ever going to be higher than it is right now. Uh, Stuart, is there any other assistant coaches that are going to be popular names out there? I know you mentioned a, a couple of um, you know hot uh coaches that are at, um, at schools now, but I know Brian Johnson's name has been thrown around, you know, a few times as well, uh, quarterback coach and offense coordinator at Florida, but are there any other assistant coaches that are, that are big on the, the map that we should be looking out for? Um, I think it depends on how, how deep the carousel really goes. And we still don't know, like, will every school that would normally make a coaching change, make a coaching change. And if they do, uh, will they, uh, like, for instance, let's say somebody hires Billy Napier from Louisiana. Um, that could be a spot where somebody like you're talking about ends up. One one example I would give is Rhett Lashley, uh, doing a great job at Miami uh, after success at SMU. You know, that would be somebody who, at this point in his career, um, I would think would be up. For, I don't think he'd be up for the, the 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 Michigan job by any means, but you know, the next domino, the the school that that who Michigan or whoever hires their coach from. So, Stuart, I wanted to ask you this earlier. Uh, with the Heisman Trophy ceremony being after uh, the first round of the college football playoff, I mean, is it really, do you think that if you're between three or four people or two or three people even, it will likely come down to somebody that played on that day? Or do you think most voters are going to take into consideration the regular season? What I think what the timeline they laid out was that while the ceremony is not till January 5th, our votes will still be due. Um, that Monday after the conference title game, oh, okay, Perfect. which will be weird if the guy that wins like goes belly up and has just gone like belly <laughs> up in the final, right. and then three days later he's the Heisman winner. But right. uh, I'm of the belief that they should we should vote after the bowl games, right. but uh, I don't think it's going to happen. And if that ever did happen, it might get to the point where you would have to be on the national champion or or the play, you know, to to win it. Story. What was the whole debacle with uh, uh, Dabo and Mike Norvell? Um, I see you guys been following that a little bit today. Um, yeah. 
what's been what, what was that all about? Dabo was ticked that they canceled at the last minute and and I think made some statements that somebody in his um, of his profile and his influence shouldn't be making. I mean, you can't be be um, I mean, he, he's suggesting and look, I, I fans on a message board can suggest this. But he's suggesting that Florida State used a positive COVID test on Clemson as an excuse to pull the entire team out of the game and not have to play Clemson because they're probably going to lose by a lot. Is a is a pretty uh, baseless accusation, and I've said this a few times now. I don't know if Florida State was right to cancel. I don't know if they were wrong to cancel. There's no blueprint for any of this. We never we've never been through anything like this, and so the kid apparently from Clemson had symptoms during the week. Then they went away. He tested negative, but then he tested positive, and they were concerned that you brought a player on the trip that was had COVID. He could spread it to any number of people. So um, they've already said they want to reschedule it. So that tells me they're not trying to duck Clemson. And uh, I would say to Dabo, um, you know, let your fans say that on Twitter. The head coach of the university doesn't need to go out there and, and call out the school like that. It's not good for him. It's not good for their conference. Um, and it's not good for the relationship, obviously, between those two schools who are the most two most important um, football schools in that conference usually. How has 2020 been different for you as far as uh, your job and everything? Like, how has it affected you and your work? It, I haven't left my house. I mean, I haven't been to a <laughs> cover college football and I haven't been to a football game. It's very odd. Um, and for a while there, living in California, there were no, even if I wanted to go to a football game, there weren't any. Uh, the first uh, football game in California was played on November 7th, if you can believe that. So um, it's been you know, um, it's taken some adjusting to say the least. And, um, but, but, and, uh, but in some ways it's been, um, you know, the fact that you can hop on anybody's zoom call at any time, you don't have to be in Tuscaloosa to, to be at Nick Saban's press conference, and ask him a question, go on zoom. I mean, in some ways that's been a plus, but I think we would all much rather be back in press boxes and, and, not having to be concerned that if you get in an elevator with too many people that you might catch COVID. I mean, uh, you know, I really hope uh, 2021 is, is a normal football season. Do you think we finish the season on time? Ooh, uh, I wouldn't put good odds on that. Um, I guess, I mean, it basically means that those four playoff teams have to all get through to the championship without any issues and the way things are going seems like somebody's going to have an issue somewhere. Um, the only, I think thing that maybe works in their favor is that the students will have left campus. You know, they're leaving campus for Thanksgiving and they're not coming back till January. So if you can kind of keep your team in a, in an unofficial bubble in those weeks leading up to the playoff game, then maybe you can avoid that. But obviously if any of the four teams, um, gets it, that's going to push back the, the national championship game. I was just, just going to ask you, Stuart, have you heard about what college football might do if they have to push things back? Do they have stadiums available? Do they have places to play? Do they have a backup plan if they need to push back a, a few days, a few weeks? I, am t I was told that the Sugar Bowl is wide open, that they could play that at any time in January. I don't know about the other ones. Um, but they better <laughs> I yeah. mean, they have some alternative dates booked or some alternative venues because um, why would you, you know, why would you go in and cross your fingers 
and hope that the playoff goes differently than the season. I mean, just right before we came on to record, the SEC announced that Missouri can't, Arkansas can't play, so Missouri's going to go play Vandy instead. And Tennessee's going to be off this week when they're supposed to play Vandy. It's just been a season of like make it up as you go along. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if that has to happen during the playoff. Right. Uh, Stuart, if you, my final question is, is for you, where do you, you know, going into the SEC championship, win or loss, uh, do you still think that they make a New Year's Six game? Where, where do you ultimately see Florida uh, finishing the year? Yeah, I think the, you know, at this point, unless there's a crazy upset along the way, the, the worst case for Florida is um, they lose that game and they go to the Orange Bowl and play uh either the loser of Clemson, Notre Dame, if that team doesn't make the playoff or Miami. And that's a, that's a, that's a not a bad consolation. I know they were in the orange bowl last year, but that was kind of a, uh, you know, not a worthy opponent. Uh, <laughs> it won't be a worthy opponent this time either Stuart. <laughs> there you go. But there'd be a little bit of juice <laughs> if they're playing Notre Dame or if they're playing Miami, right. That right. would be, uh, that would be a lot more exciting than Virginia. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Stuart, thank you so much. Remind everybody where they can follow you uh, on Twitter and read all your stuff. Yeah, my Twitter is SL Mandel. And um, if you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, just just click on any of the articles and it'll take you to a free trial or just go ahead and, and sign on the dotted line. We promise you'll enjoy it. Awesome. How are you guys getting all the good writers? Real quick, Stuart, how are you guys getting all the good writers over there? <laughs> uh, we, we just um, – people – it's just it's very appealing to people to come work at a place that really is all about the journalism and you don't have to do clickbait. You don't have to do a lot of the things that have gotten people down about this industry. We just the stuff that people really enjoy reading is the stuff we really enjoy writing. So um, we're fortunate and it's been appealing to a lot of people. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Stuart. Really appreciate it, especially last minute coming on the show. So we'll talk to you soon, my friend. All right. Thanks, guys. Great. Thank you. All right, Stuart Mandel from The Athletic. I love all the work The Athletic do, man. Uh, shout out to Will Simone. Uh, he gone, left us a little bit. But everybody they sent over from The Athletic is, is great work, man. Yeah, yeah, we've had uh, Will uh, Will Salmon still with The Athletic covering the Brewers. Um, but uh, we've had G. Allen Taylor who's been on, uh, Andy Staples who's on. Uh, we've had a number of writers that have been on. So I'm a big fan of The Athletic, so – You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Joining us for the first time on Stadium and Gale is former SEC Defensive Player of the Year, a member of the all-defensive team in the SEC, and then a three-time SEC Scholar Athlete of the Year. It is Patrick Young. Patrick, how are you doing this evening? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Man, Patrick, tell everybody where you're coming in live from. I'm in Athens, Greece right now. It's uh, 3.30 a.m. Man, and you came to join your favorite podcast at 3.30 in the morning. We appreciate that. Yes, sir. I got nothing else to do tomorrow, so it's all good. <laughs> I'm a night owl anyway. I love it, man. So, so Patrick, you were a, uh, a well-decorated high school athlete, uh, McDonald's All-American. Ultimately, talk to us a little bit about your recruiting process and how you ended up at the University of Florida. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's interesting because I, I grew up, I was always a Gator fan. Um, my grandparents die hard um, 
Gators for the longest. Gators and Jaguars uh, season ticket holders for a while. They were season ticket holders for the Jaguars uh, since they became a professional team. But uh, they instilled that love for me for the Gators early on in my life. And uh, I didn't really get decent at basketball until about 10th grade, honestly. And it was like a, 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 a flip, a switch just flipped for me. And I completely changed my game. That's when I really started dunking very comfortably in the game, just trying to start dominate. Uh, it was a summer going into my junior year where I just um, blew up on the AAU circuit and uh, the offers started coming in. And I really <laughs> I didn't know how to handle it. Um, but it was an easy decision for me, especially at the timing of what the pedigree Billy Donovan had at that point, um, not only from the aspect of basketball, but uh, being in Gainesville is really close to home. My family got a chance to come to almost every home game, uh, especially my grandparents. Yeah, that's really special to be able to share that with them. And uh, it was a no-brainer for me. Billy Donovan showed up to uh, my high school a few times. I came for a bunch of unofficial visits, and I'm like, man, I'm, I'm going to stop uh, delaying this process and just make a commitment, and I never looked back after that. So you enroll at the University of Florida. What was the big difference for you from high school to college? I mean, the obvious answer, I'm, I'm sure Mark can attest to this, is when you when you go from that high school to that college level, it's, it's like no longer can I just rely on my athletic ability. Right. I have to learn so much of scouting, of sets, of uh, responsibility, of finally, you know, living on my own as a – college student of getting on time, taking care of my body, uh, especially being, I, I had a 7.30 a.m. Um, what class was it? Intro to public speaking class my freshman year. And, you know, me and my guys, <laughs> we, we wanted to kind of live that, you know, go out uh, every now and then and try to see if we could still make it to class. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> coach down at me, oh, and uh, Tom Williams, the academic advisor, got on me real good. Why, 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 you, why, you, why you playing with Tom like that, man? You're going to so, get Tom a heart attack. That was a really big adjustment for me. And then the reality of when you get from high school to college, uh, you start playing against guys that are, you know, we're all good players coming out of high school. And you realize sometimes you're not that good or you're not as good as you thought you were. Uh, and that you're really going to have to work to become that same, you know, that vision you have for yourself. You're not going to just walk into that uh, on day one. So that was a process for me as well. Talk about uh, the first time playing a real game um, in the O-Dome. What was that like, just going out there, being part of that atmosphere? I know you came in, we were coming off, um, you know, winning back-to-back, you know, a couple years before that. Um, what, what was that feeling like? First time coming out in the atmosphere, um, I think it was kind of surreal. Uh, trying to think of that freshman year. The freshman year went by like a blur. It, it was just um, so much to take in at one time. But um, I just remember one of my first games, we ended up losing, but it was my first game in the O-Dome that I actually made a really good impact in that game. I think I finished with like 12 points. Um, and that's when I kind of started – uh, to see my fit into the environment and I could be who Coach Donovan was looking for me to be and uh, started really feeling comfortable as being a Gator. 
What was the uh, – I know I, I kind of skipped a little bit over it. What was the practices like um, with Billy Donovan? I know, you know, playing for Urban, um, it, it was real intense. We, I mean, it was times where we freaking had fist fights, had to start practice over, all kind of stuff. Talk about the intensity uh, that Billy, Billy Donovan brings to practice. Man, you know, as, as, as uh, my group of guys, that my uh, Scotty, Casey, Will, and I, we, you know, we went uh, all four years together. And um, I, I, can't, I can't lie, I really, I really did appreciate those senior year practices because we finally understood what Coach Donovan wanted from us. So we realized practice didn't have to be crazy every time. Coach Donovan was straight up, he said, guys, listen, practice doesn't have to be two and a half hours. If you guys come in here focused for an hour and a half, we can get in and get out. But it took us a while to figure that out. Right. When, were, when we when we would struggle with rebounding, we struggled with rebounding. I think my uh, I think it was my junior year. He put this bubble up on the rims, and the bubble prevents you from uh, the ball from going in, and uh-huh. it bounces off all kind of crazy ways, irregular ways, and uh, just the fighting, the physicality of basketball practice that we went through trying to get three, you know, you got to get three stops in a row uh, as a defensive team, you know, maybe a group of four guys in the shell drill. And then you got to get that, that rebound off that bubble three times as well. Or you start back over at zero dudes fighting, dudes pushing, like cussing each other out. Yeah. That's how, that's how it be because everybody be competitive. So, you know, you got a bunch of competitive guys who, who had a, the same mentality. I mean, you guys are one of the, the, one of the best classes, you know, that that that, that came through, and and that's that's saying a lot because you guys came in and you you said it. You guys played for four years together, and um, we watched you guys grow. You know, from from day one when you guys came on campus to to when you guys finished. Man, I was rooting for you guys all the way through. So um, it's cool that you guys had the opportunity um, to 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 come here and do great things. Um, what other schools that really kind of interested you? Um, when, when, when it was time to, to pick college? Um, you know, I really do, looking back at that process, I wish I did uh, kind of play around with the other schools a little bit more so I just could have seen. Me too, me too, done. for sure, you know, for sure. Yeah. I think I would have took a visit to Kansas. Uh, I would have taken a visit to Kentucky. I, I, visit, I took a visit to Georgia. Um, let's see. Um, where else did I really think about? Clemson was on me hard. I looked at mm-hmm. Jacksonville University. I would have thought of like a small school to stay local because um, I knew Coach Cliff Warren really well. He was the head coach there at JU. Uh, Florida State, and I mean, you got to look at Florida State right now. You know, we beat them four years in a row. They've beaten uh, Florida basketball six years in a row now. And they've sent like, in them six years, they sent like six guys first round in the NBA draft. <laughs> right, right. So it's like, dog. Yep. What they what are they doing over there? But um, yeah, I, I wish I would have taken my time a little bit with that process. I still would have no doubt, hands down, been a Gator. But uh, you know, it, it's just really cool kind of seeing what these kids are doing now with all their whole recruiting process. What is Billy like off of the court? Um, I know a lot about Billy. I think I know more more about um, Urban Meyer personality okay. off the court than I would know like Billy. What's Billy like off the court? Man, Billy's so laid back. He's a he's such a genuine man. He 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 really cares for you. He really it really doesn't matter who you are. He's gonna treat everybody with the same respect, humility, and kindness, and uh, just wanting to relate with people. He was really that fatherly figure for me. 
at UF. And what I loved about it, what uh, we were just talking about with, with practice, was that uh, our, our phrase for our senior year was swag, was strengthened while adversity grows because Coach Donovan would create so, create so much adversity for us because he wanted to help us to respond and understand that adversity is going to affect us in life as well. And, you know, how we can uh, figure out to deal with some things in basketball, not everything, but some things in basketball will help us deal with those things in life. He was always just teaching us lessons of staying in the moment, being present, because um, he, he, you know, he understood that you get these four years or how, whatever your window is in college, uh, in life in general, whatever you're doing, it's a season for everything. You know, you can't look back and say you wish you would have did something differently. You got to put everything you got into it. And he, he just gave me so many tools in life that I still use to this day. And having a chance to chat with him on my podcast is pretty awesome. And just uh, reminiscing and and uh, really could talk to him forever because he, he's just such an awesome, genuine guy. And I, I wish him the best with his, the rest of his coaching career. Tell us a little bit about your podcast before I ask any more questions. Tell us a little bit about the name of your podcast and uh, what was the episode with uh, Billy. So the name of the podcast is uh, Patrick Young and the Rap. Uh, it's a play on the Young and the Reckless. I just like that name. But uh, fortunately, I got hooked up with uh, Jeff Goodman through um, through one of our old assistant coaches at University of Florida, basketball coaches, Rashad Burno. And um, they wanted me to help on the national podcast, uh, but it's just too, too difficult to keep up with college games while I'm over, overseas right now. I was watching the end of the uh, NBA playoffs while overseas, and I was staying up to like 6 a.m. every night. Uh, but the podcast is giving a chance to catch up with all former Gators, coaches and staff, players, uh, current as well, um, giving Gator fans and people around the world, hopefully uh, the nation, uh, a chance to take a, a view on these guys and, and to learn more about them, hear what they're doing in life, reminisce on the past. Uh, the first episode with Coach Donovan was awesome. Got a chance to talk to him about um, – how he came to Florida, uh, how that how the whole situation happened, his relationship with Jeremy Foley. Uh, let's see, uh, just his mindset uh, when it came to coaching, his transition into the NBA uh, system. Uh, you know, he's he's first year into the NBA and he's coaching guys like Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook that have been in the NBA for you know eight nine years now at this point. Uh, you know his you know why he decided to go to OKC. This time versus, you know, back in 07 when he went to Orlando and came back after a week. Uh, so really get a chance to talk to. Uh, and I try to, you know, try to make it light, try to make it positive just to uh, put these guys all in perspective where people can just catch up on their lives. So it's really cool. I'm really glad to be a part of it. Dope. I got to check that out. I haven't checked out any episodes, but I'm definitely going to check it out. I want to follow everything that Gators are doing. All right, earlier you were speaking to Ahmad and you talked about uh, not being the best man on campus or, or being one of the best guys when you first showed up and it took some hard work. What was the moment like when you found out that you belonged in the SEC? Which moment was that and how do you – like, what was the feeling like? Moment I felt like I belonged in the SEC. Uh, okay, it, yeah, I guess it would say going to that, that sophomore year. Uh, that, that, was, that was the year Anthony Davis – and his Kentucky squad came with a vengeance through through the SEC and just uh, <laughs> you know they were doing their thing and and I think that those games that I had against his team uh, against that Kentucky team really helped me to solidify myself that I belong because I had some really good games against him and uh, 
they just had too many horses on that team. They had too many great pieces. Maybe if we would have played them one more time, we could have beaten them, but they beat us three times that year, my sophomore year. But, uh, yeah, that sophomore year, that second year was when I really felt like I belonged. That's what's up. Um, what, who was your favorite athlete, not your favorite player, not on, at, on, when you, while you was on campus, is not a basketball player? Um, I mean, I was boys with Trey Bergen. Um, Trey, Trey got, got a touchdown last night. Shout out to Trey Bergen. Oh, yeah, shout out to Trey. Uh, yeah. With him, Jay Reed. Uh, feeling so bad with all the concussions my man Jay Reed's had. Um, gosh. I know I got some more. I mean, I I, I did a, a try to do a good job of going to support all the other Florida sports. Uh, me and my my good best friend uh, Will, you get we went to a bunch of soccer games, lacrosse. It's really it's just tight in Florida, man. You uh you get a chance to uh, be around the other athletes and everyone's sharing that common goal, and it's it's really awesome to to uh, connect with these people and then see them do their thing. You know, I I don't think I've seen another women's lacrosse game since I left uh florida in 2014 and i you know i really appreciate those moments i wish i could could watch them watch them more like and it was really great getting to know those girls and you know all of them uh coming coming together from all across the country what was that moment like when you had to graduate i know it comes that moment when you're senior in college and it's time to go and move on what was that like uh another surreal moment you know it's it, it you, you're still on campus, so you don't really feel that that normalcy that you have for the last four years of being on campus. Uh, you know that it's about a shift. It, it was it was my I mean my senior year, my last I was so headed on my my class schedule. I think my last two semesters I had like two classes each, and then one of them I didn't have to go to. And the other class was once a week on uh, Monday for three hours. So I was like barely in class, not because I couldn't make it, just because, uh, you know, that's all how my schedule fix was set up. But uh, yeah, graduating, it's, it's still it's still kind of crazy that uh, the thing that I graduated six years ago. All right, now you're out in Greece right now. Uh, 2020 has been a crazy year with this pandemic and everything. So what's, what's, what's it been like? What's the uh, Corona looking like over there? Was professional basketball looking like and life looking like for you over there in Greece? So I was in Israel before I came over here. I was in Israel from August until the beginning of October. And uh, it was a little bit open when I got gotten there. And then it went to complete lockdown when I was in Israel. And I was in a city that was like a village, <laughs> like a modern day village. I'm not even joking. Wow. Yeah. So uh, beautiful. Some beautiful pictures I got, but it was a lot of alone time. I ain't gonna lie. So uh, when the season got um, uh, postponed for about a month or two, uh, I, I cut my contract with that team and came out here to Greece. And Greece was a lot more open at first, but now we're in the uh, 9 to 5, 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. curfew. Uh, all restaurants are closed. The COVID situation is not crazy, you know, like it is around, around the rest of the world. Because, uh, But Greece... Their numbers are in the thousands right now, and they're probably not going to open up until they get those numbers uh, less than 100. So, yeah, that's the situation right now. A lot of home time, a lot of chilling, a lot of sleeping. Patrick, you you went over to um, 
the NBA for a little bit right after you graduated, played in the summer league for a bit. Uh, and then you went over to Turkey, uh, came back, played in the summer league again. Uh, but you've been mainly over in Europe. What is the, the difference in style of basketball like um, over there compared to the United States? Well, you know, it's funny you uh, bring that up because I had Scotty Wilbekin on my show the other day and we, we were talking about it. Is that a lot of there's a lot of NBA players uh, that would think they could automatically come over to Europe and just kill and dominate right away. And some guys could, but the fact that there's no three second violation that you can just plug the paint on defense really changes the whole aspect of the game. Like there's real help defense. It's not like in the NBA a lot of times where you can beat your man. And for the most part, you, you have a, a, a great chance of getting a bucket. That help side is very slow. Uh, and a lot of guys don't want to get dunked on. So <laughs> sometimes they, they, it's not there. But uh, the, the court's a little bit smaller in Europe. I think that European basketball at the top level, um, it becomes more, I guess to say, beautiful basketball, if you would say. Like, it's not about just being athletic. There are, there are some guys out here that are really special. Um, um, that's for sure. That definitely could be in the NBA. Like Nick Lathis, he could he could be in the league right now. Mike James, uh, he's playing with uh, Cheska Moscow. He was in the NBA with the Phoenix Suns for a bit. He's a little small, but, man, you talk about a dude that can get a bucket. Yeah. Um, but uh, the European game is fun, man. It's uh, you know they, they look for a five-man, my, my position, a guy like my size that's more athletic, that can switch one through five. Uh, and, and can defend the basket a little bit more. So um, it's a great niche for a guy like me. So I love it. So, uh, Selg, I don't know if you have any more questions about you know his life overseas, but I want to kind of shift to UF now and the, the basketball program now. We kind of alluded to lost to FSU a number of times. Isn't playing quite as dominantly. How, how do you project this season to go for them once they start playing? You know, it's surprising to me that – they're not. I don't. Even, are they even ranked in the top twenty-five? I doubt it. Man. I, I, I doubt it because we, we came out. We came out on five. What it was last year? We were six. Number six. Yeah. We came yeah. out and and man, we lost that quick. Yeah. You know, I I actually think they're going to be a decent. I think the whole SEC in its entirety is going to be pretty decent this year. Uh, they have some top-notch coaching, um, as well as some talent. Uh, Tennessee is supposed to be a top ten team this year. Kentucky as well, but. I can't see why Florida would not be good this year because they finally have, you know, in the point guard position and no knock to Andrew Nimhard. He was fantastic point guard, mature, but he wasn't, the, you know, what his style of play was different. Uh, that didn't align up with Coach what, what Coach White was looking for. I think this kid, Tyree Appleby, if he's going to be the starter, I got a chance to watch him a little bit. He is explosive. Like, he's so quick. He's electric, I should say. Not explosive like he's going to dunk on nobody, but um, – He's really quick, pace of play, uh, is at a top level. I'm not sure, man, you know, what Florida basketball was missing in the sense of why they just couldn't close games. Um, many games, they were right in the mix and, you know, three games away from winning the SEC last year, um, you know, that they that they dropped out of nowhere. Um, but I think this year they're going – I think they are going to be better. This is a really important year for Coach White. Um, and, yeah, we'll see. We'll go from there, figure it out. Now you're you're a former guy that played on some historically good teams at UF. So what's your expectations of UF basketball program? Because we get a lot of fans that are just like a little complacent. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, well, Mike White's probably the best we can do. So what's your expectations as far as the program? 
I mean, I have the same expectations as as every Gator fan. We've gotten a chance to build this program because of Coach Donovan and Jeremy Foley. And I, I expect the program to be in the mix every year. Top three finishes in the SEC uh, out of Kentucky and Tennessee. I mean, uh, who else is looking good? Alabama's looking good. Auburn's been pretty good uh, these past years with Bruce Pearl at the helm. Um, but I expect us to be competitive. You know, I, I understand that we can't win every game, but there's a reflection of what Florida Gator uh, hard-fought, hard-nosed basketball looks like. And um, our fans can be – they can be proud of seeing that image. And that's all we expect is because I'm a fan now, even though I, you know, former player, I'm a fan, and that's all we want. We want, uh, we want what we want. We got to beat Florida State, you know. That's that's right. <laughs> that's the expectation. After six in a row, they can't get seven. Uh, but we got we got to, uh, you know, just one game at a time and trust trust Coach White. Your Coach White, he's definitely the right guy for us. Um, uh, hopefully, our guys can just figure it out and um, take it one game at a time. Well, perfect. Well, Patrick, plug your podcast one more time. Let everybody know where they can follow you on uh, social media and where they can listen to your podcast. And uh, we appreciate your time. Uh, Patrick Young and the Rowdies, you can find it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, releasing one episode per week. Just opening a, an Instagram page as well. Going to uh, have a cool little theme on that. But, yeah, you can catch us uh, once a week. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Dude, I love it. Well, Patrick, thank you so much for uh, for coming on. We appreciate your time, and, uh, and go Gators. Go Gators. Y'all guys have a good night. All right, you do the same, man. Get some sleep. Bye-bye. All right, bro. Appreciate it. Patrick Young. Great player. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, Patrick Young. I'm trying to get Pat fire Mike White, but he wasn't. He wasn't feeling the vibe. Yeah, he, yeah. We, you know, I, I, I can, I can sense he was trying to get get um, Mike White up out of there tonight, but I was he, trying to quote. He, he, he want, he want to send him home tonight. So yeah, it's all good. Games come, soon come. Hey, you got to play the games, huh? Yeah, you got to play the games. We'll see what Mike got. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Plenty of opportunity. Huh? Plenty of opportunity. A lot of meat on that. Bro. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot on there. They wow. uh, their first couple games at the Mohegan Sun got canceled because of a COVID outbreak, so uh, their their start gets delayed by a little bit here. Uh, but his interview was sponsored by our friend uh, Lee Friedland at the law firm of Friedland and Associates, who truly cares about the people. He handles auto accidents, medical malpractice, nursing home cases, criminal matters, and personal injury cases in every jurisdiction within the state of Florida. Give Lee a call at 1-800-95-INJURED or YourFightOurBattle.com. Again, 1-800-95-INJURED and visit him at YourFightOurBattle.com. All right, guys. So Florida is uh, playing Kentucky this week. Kentucky is a slightly different team than uh, than the teams that they've had over the last couple years, not nearly as explosive on offense, Um, not quite – Good on defense, um, but still a little bit better than probably the team you grew up uh, watching uh, Kentucky be. Um, Kyle Pitts is returning, so that's a big, uh, big, a big welcome back uh, for the Florida Gators. But how do you guys expect this game to go as we break it down a little bit? Um, yeah, so Kentucky, um, you know, these past few years been playing this tough. Um, they've been kind of escaping a little bit, um, getting some. Uh, some cheap plays against them. I know last year when Kyle Trash came in and um, we came back from what nineteen down then, yeah, or, like or that. something like that. Yeah. I, I know a couple years ago they they left us open two times and, and we won that game. And you know, um, one year we, we we lost. So, um, but they're not as good as as those 
past few teams, um, like Dan said, and um, just hope we can get in there and capitalize. Um, not saying we we need to beat them by sixty, um, but we need to go in there and, and handle business and do what we we um, we, we we know we can do and, and put up some points and, and stop them. Yeah, Kentucky is not a good football team. They're not a good offense, but it don't take a good offense to beat our defense. So um, I, I really don't know what to kind of expect, man. Um, it's before I get into my take, shout out to Greg and Brunt Insurance and Financial Services. Anything you need insured from the Panhandle to the Keys, my man Greg's the best of the best when it comes to insurance, man. Give him a call, 954-589-2204. He covers home, auto, rental insurance, life insurance, anything you may need as far as financial services. My man Greg can take care of you. 954-589-2204. Big coverage. Um, yeah, I don't think Kentucky's a very very good football team. The rest of our schedule is pretty much buns. We should be able to beat the brakes off of all these teams, man. Um, I'm on the same page as I was last week, getting young guys reps, uh, getting Emory some reps, figuring out how we can install some new things in the offense to get Bama. Uh, some things that they may have to look at. Um, seeing the young offensive line, shout out to Josh Brown. I thought Brown came in and played really well last week. Uh, so shout out to Josh Brown. His dad got a, a a breakdown of all his plays on Twitter. If you want to see, uh, all I, love the it. I love it. I love it, man. Um, don't tweet. Let me tweet for you, son. Um, that dad goes right there. <laughs> you gotta love it. But um, I thought I thought he came in and played well. So I just want to see the young boys get some tick. Um, give me some Brian, give me some Ethan White, mix it up with the young fellas. Let's see if we can get a better push and get some better chemistry on the offensive line. Defense, we just need to see the same thing. Uh, give me more Hopper. Give me some of the younger guys. Shout out to James Houston. He's back this week. Um, um, we already spoke about Kyle Pitts being back this week. We don't have to rush him out to do anything crazy. Right. We should be able to beat the brakes off of Kentucky regardless. So just a tune-up game to get better. Um, whatever, however better we could get, we need to get better this week. Yeah, Kentucky's played very interesting this year. They lost their first game to Auburn, twenty-nine thirteen. Then they were in a shootout with Ole Miss. They lost forty-two to forty-one. Then they beat Mississippi State twenty-four to two, and then they beat Tennessee thirty-four to seven. Come back and lose to Missouri the next week, twenty to ten. Hold Georgia close, a fourteen to three game. They barely squeaked by Vanderbilt, 38-35. And then last week, get the brakes beat off from 63-3 by Alabama. Um, so I don't know which Kentucky we're going to get. I don't know if you're going to get the team that scores or the team that doesn't score. Um, I don't think that Tracy Wilson is um, having a great a great season uh, at quarterback for them coming back off of his injury. Uh, I just don't know what you get out of this uh, Kentucky team uh, when they're playing Florida. Uh, Florida obviously is struggling very mightily on defense. Uh, so hopefully it's it's a game that they can uh, get some good mental reps and, and good reps and practice this week and, and come back and, you know, maybe some younger guys get the opportunity to play. But, you know, it's a team that can score, you know, 38, 41, um, 34 when they want to, um, you know, but ultimately sit three and five right now. Um and one in three uh, in away games with their only away win at, uh, at Tennessee. So um, we'll see. I mean, they're, they're just, they're not very good, but you know, like you said, so it doesn't take a really good team to beat Florida uh, defensively. I, I don't think that they can stop Florida. That's for sure. No, nah, they just don't have the uh, firepower and the athletes to keep up with us as, as far as scoring points. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
So outside outside of that, let's get a couple of uh, player projections of, of folks that you think are going to uh, kind of piece it together and, and take Florida out to victory uh, this week. Ahmad? Um, I'm I'm gonna ride the shorter train. I'm, I'm gonna say shorter. Okay. Um, shorter shorter's been uh been coming along, um, getting better every week. Um, he's he's been getting in the chicken box. Hey, still, he going up and getting the ball too. Absolutely. I, 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 you know what? I always wondered. I'm like, you know, we always get these guys like, you know, um, you know, Caldwell and you know, Riedel and you know, all these guys. We never really had no no real huge guys that can just really just go up and get the ball. Like we always get the fast, shifty guys. We always get guys that can make plays in the open field. But you know, I mean, besides somebody really like a Dallas Baker who can really like run routes and go up and get the ball strong. I mean, Grimes and Shorter really and, and Pitt is going to get the ball now. I've been telling people this room, this wide receiver room, looking uh, a whole lot like Clemson wide receiver room. Yeah, man, we're getting some size now. Yeah, and I think they're uh, continuing that trend um, with the guys that are behind the guys that we see. Um, you got Weston, you got the, even the, the baby Xavier Henderson coming in, and the guys that were recruiting a big physical mm-hmm. guy, Frazier. Shout out to Frazier. He's going to be a guy that we see mm-hmm. uh, very soon to start entering this depth chart. But yeah, big physical guys that go up, get the ball, and make things happen, big targets. Yeah, and no, I think that that's going to something you're going to continuously see is, is Florida put the ball up and hope that their guys get it. You know, so we talked about on facts only on uh, on Saturday when we recorded. Uh, Florida has a committed wide receiver that's six foot three, another one at six foot three, and another one in the class behind him at six foot five, joining a, a team of wide receivers that has a bunch of guys that are six foot two to six foot four. Um, so I think that you're going to continue to see that. Um, but shout out to Justin Shorter. He was a guy that a lot of people said uh, couldn't make the depth chart at, at Penn State. Comes to Florida, maybe doesn't catch on as quickly. But you know, over the last four or five weeks, I mean, he's really stepped up and uh, has done an exceptional job. Um, so I like that pick him on. So who do you have as your uh, kind of offensive playmaker this week? Oh man, uh, I just want to see the run game do what it do. I've been liking with how Naquan been moving and, 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 and like his footwork has just been beautiful. Uh, I think he's very patient. I think he's nifty with a lot of things he do. I'm gonna go Naquan Wright, man. Um, I want to see one of these running backs break 100 yards and somebody break off a long run. I think Naquan's gonna get busy this weekend and give me a long run. Yeah, uh, I like I like that pick as well. Um, I you know I was gonna I was gonna go shorter, but I think Kadarius Tony, um, you know, six for six, 100 yards uh, last game. I think that he goes off. I was good to see him back in form. Uh, so I'm excited to see what he uh, might be able to do. And then, it, like I said, it'll be good to get Kyle Pitts back out there. Um, as well, so great to uh, it's great to welcome him back after what seemingly was a very nasty hit against Georgia. Uh, what about on defense? Uh, who's your your kind of your star defensive player uh, this week? Um, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with um, Cox coming off the edge. I know he was was jumping the gun a little bit. He getting a few. Uh, oh my God, man! Oh I had my to- God! Thanks. Hold on, hold on. I have. Offsides on a list of things that had just been. Oh my God! I know he got a few offsides calls, but I mean, you know, he, he he's showing want to, and he, he getting off the ball. So, um, I know, I know it's gonna be, it's gonna be a uh, a time where he 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 controls it a little bit better. But I think it's gonna it's gonna be this week where we where we get it all together. So, uh, defensively. I want a linebacker to eventually step up, but I don't think that that's going to happen, man. Um, I think we are we are at the linebacker position right now. So 
I'm gonna go. It's so hard, bro. It's not to go to all the defensive line with Cox or maybe uh, Zach Carter, but um, give me five. I'm gonna go with five. I think five gets another interception this week. Um, keep that keep that little streak going up, getting us some turnovers, man. I need to pick six before the season's over with somebody. This is DBU, and we shouldn't be looking this terrible in the secondary, dog. So I'm gonna go with five until I give me a pick six. Went from DBU to DBU, right? Anyway, uh, I'm going to go – so I'm going to buck what you you just said. I'm going to go with Tyron Hopper. Um, I think that he has a big game uh, at uh, at linebacker. I think he gets more burn the last two weeks that he's played. Uh, Last week he played significantly more snaps than the week before. No, and I agree, but that's why I think Kentucky's a great uh, team to show that. I think when he came in, he did really, really well. Uh, so I'm going to go Tyron Hopper and just hope for the best and hope that I believe in his abilities. I don't right. believe in the coach's ability to play the best player that had the position right now. Shots fired. No, I mean, you're 100%. I mean, I, and I'm taking a gamble that we're going to make a, a change, right? I mean, you know, James, yeah. Houston, hey, James Houston's coming back, so maybe James Houston will have a good game. Uh, welcoming back to the linebacker core, but something needs to happen out of the linebacker core. Um, you know, Christian Robinson's under a little bit of a microscope right now, so. Shout out to manscaped.com, the best of the best when it comes to man grooming. Lumore 3.0 is out on these streets. Waterproof, snag proof. No cutting your balls in the shower, man. Everything's safe and good to go, and you won't get electrocuted. Right. Manscaped.com, man. Um, if you need a weed whacker to get your nose, nostrils, everything up to shape, keep it popping. You don't want any nose hairs falling in the turkey or the dressing this weekend. Manscaped.com the best of the best when it comes to keeping man grooming needs in check. Also, you don't want to be in Thanksgiving. If grandma's AC go out and your ball starts sweating, you don't want to stink up the joint. They got the best of the best when it comes to ball deodorant. No chafing, no sweating. Cool balls on Thanksgiving. Use coupon code SG at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. Manscaped.com, the best of the best when it comes to man grooming. I, I had uh, somebody that I know, I'm not going to put this person on blast, but I had somebody that uh, I know that's a, an older gentleman um, let me know that the ball deodorant's a life changer. You know, they say as you get older, things start falling a little bit more, yeah. uh, sticking a little bit more, and, yeah. um, you know, that the ball deodorant really changes. Man. So, so, so shout out to this person that, that told me. That's a weird thing to talk about, I know, but shout it's out to sticky, you. It's a sticky situation if you don't take care of it. Very good, very good. Oh, uh, before we before we leave, let's get a score prediction. We don't track these or anything. I'm sure I won last week, but no, I, I've been winning the week, so I, I've been I named the fifty, the sixty point, the crazy shit. Like I'm, I'm gonna say we score seventy. <laughs> seventy, okay, very good. Very no, good. I ain't, I'm not gonna go seventy. I'm, I'm gonna keep Heisman to win. I'm gonna say seventy points. Let's get ridiculous and <clears throat> throw people out. I want this to be a landslide of Kyle winning the Heisman, man. So. Yeah, give me 70 points. I need something ridiculous. 41-17 over here. I'm going to go with um, uh, 56 to 11. So if they hit 70, I definitely win, right? Yeah. 56 to 11. Yeah, that seems like a reasonable score. Can't wait to win. All right, boys. Um, Same time next week? Same corner, same time. You know the vibes. Yeah. We got a song. You gotta take us out with the song. I think Daniel. I had a last. No, last Daniel had this on me, bro. Daniel. Yeah, so you, so you, so you. Yeah, so I, I had it before me. To play the Jeopardy song. Yeah, so Dan had it before me. Then me. So yeah, so.
Oh man. Um so why Silk's thinking about it and scrolling through his Spotify or Apple Music or title, whatever he's title. Title. Um, rem- remember stadiumigale.com slash shop. Remember our sponsors, shout them out. They're awesome people. Um, they do great things. Remember to shout them out. Um, number two, check out our website, check out the flagship forum. Uh, some really great articles that are out there. Check out big3rollup.com. Check out everything that they're doing. Uh, meet us in Atlanta. We're going to be there. The players play. And if the players are going to play, then you got to bring three players up there. So we'll be up there. You already know the vibes. So give me Benny the Butcher. Uh, thank God I made it. Very good. Looking forward to listening to it for the very first time. <laughs> Check one, two. Uh-huh. I only could talk about this real because that's what I've been through. Yeah. Yeah. I was raised by a woman, so shout out to single mothers Who had to teach their teenage boys to use rubbers Getting calls home from school, then wondering why she bugging Cause that's just more stress to add on top of struggling Few things I wanna show you, cause I feel like I owe you You made me the man I am today, I never told you Trust me and hand me down cause you couldn't afford polo How I feel to see your two oldest boys, names on logos Had to protect my family, so we play with guns I can't respect the man who don't raise his son then you blame the white man on what they become against the but reality of it is you made them one real look in the mirror and see each other i look in my nephew eyes and i see my brother sometimes i gotta look away because it hurts so much how that die so young and he was worth so much Damn. put your hands together for the work of the most high I put my hands together and i pray all night Cause the struggle is real, but the hustle is too I'm flipping my dreams till they all come true I thank God I made it, thank God I made it And you gon' make it too this what happens when you take a path they force you to take Like of course you won't break it, leave no remorse on your face Cause somebody just got life in a courtroom today When I walk my chains make the sound my folk used to make It remind me daily, all that saying is you gotta pay me That kinda crazy, find a new hustle, this not the 80s That ain't gangsta, how y'all rockin', y'all droppin' babies And that ain't fly, y'all be rockin', y'all mockin' ladies With no diplomas, we were soldiers, we got 380s Put a hundred mil in my pocket, it's not gon' change me I just signed a deal with the rock and I got my wavy Need a spot to hide the paper, the profit done got so crazy Just today I swear I felt my brother's spirit Writing all it, damn I hope my brother hear it Scared of the butcher, I know suckers fear it Cause it's like we only come around every other era uh. Put your hands together for the work of the most high I Put my hands together and I pray all night Cause the struggle is real but the hustle is who Flipping my dreams till they all come true I think that I made it, think that I made it And you gon' make it too